welcome to Stay at Home, Mom, with your illustrious host, Leslie Goodgesell, mother to six beautiful daughters, wife to an amazingly hardworking and supportive husband, homeschooler, and homesteader in the making. Join me on this journey, this blessing of what motherhood looks like. Have you ever heard somebody say, what do you call a couple that doesn't use birth control? Parents, of course, you call them parents because they're not doing anything to prevent themselves from having babies. (laughs) Of course they would be parents because that's what happens when you don't stop something from happening. When you don't prevent procreation, it's inevitable that procreation is gonna happen. That can be a super controversial topic. So welcome to this week's episode of Stay at Home Mom, where my beautiful friend Carissa and I are gonna deep dive into some seriously controversial topics and have deep conversations about why we believe the things we do and maybe answer some of the questions for people who believe a little bit differently. Join us this week and once a month for the rest of the year to touch on these controversial things in Controversial Conversations with Carissa. Yay! (laughs) Yay! So welcome, Carissa, to Stay at Home Mom, where we're going to talk about the controversial topic of fertility. (laughs) Yeah. Or Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Or just... Not necessarily fertility, but just trusting the Lord with your family size really is kind of what it it really is. Yes. And your fertility. I guess it's all wrapped in. Yeah, yeah. It's all the same. I'm so glad. I did a little blurb for my podcast to let people know that this was something that we were going to try to bring to them once a month. These controversial conversations, things that kind of ruffle people's feathers or make them uncomfortable because they don't know either a lot about the topic or they're not really firm in their conviction on a certain topic, so it makes them uncomfortable, or they're really firm in their conviction, but right. <laughs> but they don't appreciate having to like prove that. <laughs> yeah. So things that people aren't allowed to talk about. Right. Especially in yeah. the church. Yeah. So. For sure. Awesome. I reached out and I asked you which topic you wanted to talk about first, and you said this one for sure. And I know this is your ministry, this is your heart, this is your passion for for women in general, as mothers and just women walking in the gift that they've been given to be mothers, to nurture and to carry life and bring forth life. So I thought this was a perfect topic to start with because I myself have wrestled with it. (laughs) And when I had you on my podcast the last time, that's what you shared, how you wrestled with it and- how it kind of got to the point where I remember you saying, I, to me, it's more important to obey the Lord than to be comfortable with my, with what I want to do. And that was kind of where I was too, with my husband. So I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, so I wanted to start with this topic because I didn't have to prepare because I, 
<laughs> like had talk about this every day. So I pretty much like the Lord, I, I feel so honored. Um, the Lord pricked my heart in 2020. Hold on. Nope, not 2020. My daughter is okay. In 2008, 2009 is when the Lord pricked my heart about this topic. And wow. Ever since then, he has like, I've asked him every question you can ask, you know, on with my ministry, people give me all the rebuttals, all the what ifs, all the, but, but, and so I've been like, oh, you're right. And then like, I've, I've said, okay, God, am I wrong? Did, did I get something wrong? Am I? And so I've gone back and forth, back and forth for 14 years, maybe 15 years now. And the Lord has been just super, super gracious to give me so much wisdom um, so it is like my favorite thing to talk about and it's an honor to share it. And it, Hey, if you don't want to hear it, that's fine. You don't have to listen, right. <laughs> but I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> and I, I don't shy away from talking about anything on my podcast either. And I know that it's not for everybody, but the reason I started it because I thought I, well, one, I really felt like the Lord told me to, and he continued to provide opportunities for it to happen, which to me, it seemed pretty miraculous. Yeah. <laughs> and also because I I feel like people don't share the, the nitty gritty of life, like the ugly parts of it. They want everybody yeah. to be like Instagram perfect. Yeah. And if I could let one person know, just one person, that they weren't alone in the dirty yeah. ugliness of what like yeah. motherhood and being a wife and just being a woman in <laughs> today's society yeah. felt like, it was worth it. If I just needed one listener. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. The Lord's done so much more than that. So yeah. We all start with just one or zero. Yeah, we, right. We all start small. So yeah, yes. For sure. So I just wanted to start with my testimony because yeah. that would only make sense, like how I ended up here. Um, so I'm gonna make it keep it really short because I it could be a two-hour testimony. I'm gonna try to say it in <laughs> right. like 10 minutes, maybe or five. Um, so I grew up with one sister. I have it like summarized so I don't go too far, too far. Okay. <laughs> okay. I grew up with one sister. I never, like, I didn't grow up hearing about large families. I don't think I was around any large families growing up. Like I never even thought about like that I could have more siblings, you know, like it just never crossed my mind yeah. that my mom stopped having children or anything like that. I think I was just raised pretty self-focused. Um, I'd never heard of anybody saying that they were letting the God, letting God decide how many children they were going to have. Uh, I was in several different denominations growing up. So I was in Quaker, um, Nazarene, Mennonite Brethren, Baptist, um, like a ton, even more than that. I just can't think of them right now. I was taught birth control when you get engaged in youth group. Um, in youth group? Yeah. Wow. Um, and That's I young. can't remember, I can't, like, I don't think they talked about it in church, you know, like I never heard right. anybody preach about any of this, but in youth group, like that's where you talk about this stuff. Youth group, you can talk yeah. about whatever you want. Right. Um, like my, my parents taught me to be on, um, birth control, to pursue my dreams. You can be whatever you want to be. And, um, I wanted to be a famous singer. I wanted fame and fortune. I didn't like kids that much. I had no, like, I didn't, I wasn't that teenager that wanted to be around babies. I never wanted to be a mom. I actually thought motherhood looked disgusting. Okay. Now that sounds <laughs> terrible, 
You're not my only friend that has said that. (laughs) (laughs) My mom, like she wouldn't take care of herself. She like gave me an interest. She only had two girls, but she gave us everything. Like she didn't buy new clothes ever. Um, she wore like the mom jeans, like up to here, but that's the style now. But back then it was, it was not cute to me, but anyway, I just didn't, it wasn't an appealing life. You know, like I have friends that they, all they want to do is mother, all they want to be is mothers. Like my daughters, they just want to be mothers. Um, that's such a compliment, right. To hear yeah. your daughters want to be a mother. Cause that means yeah. they, you've done like something right. Yeah. Um, anyway, we, I ended up getting married. And a year into the, and I was on the pill. Yes. I'm sure y'all have heard about that. Yeah. They got sued a lot. Um, I was on the yes pill. And what happened is I went to church. Me and my husband went to, we were going to this church. Uh, it was a great church. The pastor was amazing. He was preaching about trusting God. He was not preaching about trusting God with your family size. He was just preaching about in general. Do you trust God? Is there something in your life you're not trusting him in? And me and my husband both left and we thought, and I told him, I said, we trust God in everything. Like, like we let him, we tithe, we let him pay our bills. Like we trust him hardcore. And I said, but we had a five-year plan. We weren't, we were going to travel and enjoy life together. (laughs) And I really didn't want children. Like I just wanted everything about me. And the Lord was like, no, you're not trusting me in that area. So I told my husband and he was like, yeah, you're right. So I went off birth control. I don't think I got pregnant for like six more months after that. And we decided right then we were going to give God this area. Well, four kids later, I ended up getting diagnosed with MS. Um, I would black out. I was super sick. My husband went and talked to all of the pastors in the area. Like, what do I do? I know that we should be trusting God, but my wife is sick and this is hard. And I'm like, no, I have to keep trusting God. But he's like, no, I I, I will not let you do that. We're going to stop. Long story short, um, I kept having babies. I thought that he, I thought he was going to do something about it. I told him, I can't do anything on my part. You, you, if you need to do that, that's up to you between you and God. And we had lots of fights, like a lot of fights. That's the biggest thing we fought about. Um, then after my seventh baby, we were out and about talking to somebody and they said, are you going to have more? Like everyone asked that question everywhere we go. And my husband said, we're leaving it up to God. And I was like, we're what? What? (laughs) We are? You are? (laughs) (laughs) He never told me when his heart changed. Like, I think I I, like bawled in that moment. Anyway, we're on baby number 11 and I'm 40. This is crazy. And still young. He's he's fully. Yeah. I'm going to just call claim that. He's um fully committed to trusting God and he loves just telling men it's it's super simple. Do you trust God? Yeah. Like it, it's that easy, but it then really, again, it really is. <laughs> but then again, it's not. So I have I have written down all the reasons people don't trust God or stop having children that we can discuss now. Um, yes. because sometimes it's not that easy to just be like, just trust God. And they're, and they, they have, the church has given us reasons that they believe in it's are in the Bible as to why we don't have to trust God in that area. And so let's tackle those. Yeah, I agree. 
<laughs> let's <laughs> tackle those things because I'm pretty sure like you, some of those were my, my arguments as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I think all of them relatable. <laughs> yeah, no, I think all of them, you and me have both felt every single one. Yes. Like literally there isn't one that I, I would say, I don't know what you're thinking because I've right. felt them all. Yeah. Yeah. And trust it saying, well, I trust God. I trust the Lord. I trust him to do what he says he's going to do. It's so easy to say, yeah. but having it go from like here to here. Yeah. And it being how we actually live our lives are so different. So, so different. So completely because we can read the word and say, yeah, God said that. Yeah. Then live like he didn't like he is a man of his word and he is faithful, but you have to live it to see it. Right. And it says that over and over and over again. Over and over. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so let's start. What's the first thing? Number one is I'm too old. Um, (laughs) Oh no, really? (laughs) <laughs> that's the I'm too story. old and, and it's too dangerous so like when I turned 35 I yeah. started getting you know I have a big following I started getting the you're too old this it's geriatric comment. pregnancy now my yeah. last my last I was pregnant at 35 she was I turned 36 a month before she was born wow. that's what I heard from everybody yeah. well this is a geriatric pregnancy and I was like at, I'm not 80 yeah what the heck yeah it's super strange I don't know I don't understand I don't understand how well I think people are old I mean especially in the church if you read the bible right Sarah you really don't get it like they had babies old so they they started young and they they stopped whenever the Lord closed their womb yeah so yeah but I do get it in our society today, while even though America probably has the worst prenatal care and yeah. birth rate and all of those things, postpartum care and all of it, we don't rank super high. So it does seem really scary if you're older because of the fact that our numbers don't favor people just birthing in general. <laughs> well, the other thing is not that many people are giving birth after 35 anymore and so your statistics are going to be exaggerated so like if you're comparing women 35 and under and how many people are dying in birth you're comparing like a million people compared to maybe a hundred thousand people so your statistics are going to look super scary and it's going to look dangerous but people just aren't at the same time people are giving birth are waiting until they're 35 just to have one child right so I do have a friend who had two children, her only two children, after she turned 40. Her first, she was 42, and her second, I believe she was 45. Well, the other day, not the other day, a few years ago, I was in McDonald's, playing, my kids were playing, and this lady called um, a girl, her name was Carissa, and I said, oh, your granddaughter is my, has my name, okay? Yeah. She said, that's my daughter, and I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so we sat down and we talked for a long time. Yeah. She, oh man, how old was she? I think she was 65. Wow. Okay. So listen, she had two kids and she never prevented, never did anything. Okay. She had two children and then they just never got pregnant. Wow. When her When her daughters were 20, she was 50 and 55. She had two more children. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's so like, amazing. 
Yeah. So I, I was like, oh my goodness. And she was the youngest old person I've ever met. Now I hate to say, oh, I want to be that. I want to be the youngest older person ever. Like what I mean by that is like, she was playing with her kids. She was energetic. Yeah. She didn't like, she had gray hair, but didn't look like yeah. fragile. Yeah. Um. And so people ask me all the time, like, because I'm 40, what's your secret? I guess people don't believe I'm 40. And I, my number one secret is I just trust God. But I think number two is that God made you to bear children and the children keep you younger. So like, if you've seen all the scientific proof yeah. that it's super good and healthy for your body to bear yes. children and the, I don't, I don't know all the scientific words. Okay. But like the, whatever happens in your body when you're pregnant heals you, right. it actually heals disease. The increase in of, yeah. The increase of blood flow and the cellular yeah. health increases because you're creating another body so it yeah it just flows all the way through you super and healing like everything you're making for your baby to be alive is helping you too it's just yeah. so crazy how amazing how divinely it, it yeah, was yeah. done right like, yeah but we think we could we know better exactly yeah I'm we answer. don't but but yeah um let's see here I so I put a verse with all of these. This one was Genesis 21. Like that's going to cover, um, I believe that's covering Sarah. And um, there's a lot of verses in the Bible where he opens and closes the womb. And um, it, there's no age. Mm -hmm. He like um, Leah, Leah and was it Leah and Rebecca? Leah and Rebecca right? Rachel. Oh, Rachel and Leah. Rachel and Leah, I thought. Yes. I hope <laughs> I'm having, I hope, I hope I have the right people. I think it's Rachel and Leah. They got open and closed their womb over and over and over. Yeah. He would open the womb and then he yep. would close the womb and then they would beg him for more children. He would open the womb and then he would have mercy on them and he would open the womb again. Yes. So, yep. um, yeah, it's all in God's timing. Absolutely. Um, then people say, I don't want to be the grandparent at my child's graduation. Right. That actually was one of my husband's things. He said, we yeah, are too. not having any kids after I turn 40. And I was like, you're five and a half years older than me. That's not fair. Like, <laughs> how dare you? Like, like I'm still in my thirties. I'm still young. How can you say that? And he was like, I don't want to be the grandpa at all of our kids events. Yeah. Unfortunately for him, he grayed really young anyway. <laughs> so I'm like, you're 40 and all gray. Like, right. does it matter? <laughs> well, here's the thing. That makes it about us. Like, yeah. I don't want to look old at their graduation. So then why are, is their life not worth you looking right. a certain way? You know, like yeah. we have to put it into perspective. Are we valuing? Like, just let's just think. I always tell people. Think about your 11th child, like your first child. Yeah. So Annette, my first child, would I choose not to have her just so I didn't look old at her graduation? Right. Of course not. Right. Like that sounds stupid. It does. But when you're on child number 11, it's not yeah. so stupid. Why? <laughs> it's, it is just as stupid. We just justify it. 
Yeah. So we really have to like put these things into perspective and really think about them. The, this isn't like a small decision. This is a life we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, let's keep moving because I got 27 okay. of these. <laughs> we may do, we may be doing two parts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We might. Let me see how, what, okay. All right. And reason number two is time. Mm -hmm. This was my husband's number one, number one reason that he wanted to stop at three is we don't have enough time for each child. We physically cannot give them everything they need. Um, and I, get I, I will say I felt that way until I had a lot of children. So <laughs> if you ask me yeah. now, I personally feel like this is what I believe hundred percent. My 10 children, cause the 11's not born yet. My 10 children get more time, quality time than any two child household. And what am I talking about? Sibling time is just as important as parent time, if not more important, because they're going to be yeah. in their life longer than me and my husband. Right. And so even if I don't have that one-on-one -on -one time with my kids all day, if I have that one-on-10 time, when they yeah. go to, when, when you're sending your kids to school, you, they're having one-on-25 time yeah. with somebody that isn't their parent. Um, And so it's just, the, I, this is a, a really weird reason to me in the the world we live in today where parents go to church and send their kids off parents go send their kids to school they put them in extra sports they yeah. barely see their kids as it is so when yeah. you have 10 kids you're not you're probably not going to send them off because you just don't have time to go, take them to 15 schools you know what I mean yeah. so you're going to homeschool so you're giving yeah. your kids way more time than if you have a traditional two-child household and you send them, send them, send them. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think time was a big thing. That was the argument my mom presented because she came from a large family. She had six siblings. I'm about to sneeze. No, I'm not. It's gonna, It goes away. It's gone. Never mind. Just kidding. Um, she had six siblings. So she was one of seven. She was the second born. And she felt like her parents never had time for them. She never felt loved by her parents. She felt like oh, she was wow. always just lost in the shuffle. Um, her oldest sister was like the good one. So she got all the praise and then everybody was compared to her. And she just, she hated being in a large family, hated it. And that what she kept telling me because we went from two to four, we had two and then I had twins. And when I had the twins, she was like, don't have any more. That's too many. You can't keep track of them all. She's like, I struggled with you three. Like, this, don't do it. It's not good for the children. And I'm like, first, I'm not your mom and James is not your dad. <laughs> we do things totally different. Why would you assume right, right. that yeah. I'm going to treat my children the way your parents treated you in the 50s? Like, mm -hmm. it's a totally different world. I was raised totally different. So I've learned different things. I handle things in a whole unique way to who I am yeah and, but that was the her, that was my mom's biggest thing you don't have time but the thing is when you have a large family you prioritize your time yeah I feel yeah. like I have set aside each day one kid gets an hour of my time now I can do that because I only have six <laughs> right if I had more than that it'd be a lot more difficult to do a whole hour I think 
But it's not even just that one hour of focused time with that one child. It'll be like, hey, I'm going to go pick up your sister from work. Do you want to ride with me? And right, then we yeah. chat on the drive there. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I have to go run and grab some groceries. Do you want to come with me? It's finding those pockets of time where I feel like when you have less children, you don't, and I can't say this across the board for everybody, but from what I've witnessed from other people and other families, they don't necessarily always prioritize spending Mm -hmm. that time with their kids because they're more like, well, my kid is in school and they have to be in these kind of sports and they have to do this other extracurricular thing and they have to be a part of this society and they have to do all of these things. They have them so busy that they don't have any one-on-one time with them. The only time they share their house together is while they're all sleeping. Yeah. Where my kids are, I'm never away from my kids. Yeah, me too. (laughs) They're with me everywhere. (laughs) So, I mean, actually, because we're working on our house right now, I'm just going to throw this funny story in real quick. We started framing the bedroom walls and my daughter one of my twins, who's 13, their bedroom is going to be at one end of the hall and our bedroom's at the other end of the hall. And she goes, mom, I don't want to be that far away from you. And I was like, Josie, in our last house, we were on one side of the house and you were on the other side of the house. And there was like a whole stairwell separating us. And she's like, I know, but I can hear you breathe now. And I don't know if I can sleep without hearing you and dad breathe. Oh my goodness. And our RV is not small. It's 42 feet. We have a bedroom. They have a whole bunk room and then all the living spaces in between it. But it's so close. You, you literally can hear everybody, you know, like one of my children grinds her teeth and I, it wakes oh me up at night, but it used to wake me up when we lived in the house. Cause her bedroom was next to ours. And I, it would wake me up there too. But yeah, she's like, I, I won't be able to hear you breathe. <laughs> what 13 year old says that? I know. I have a a 10 year old who tells me every day that she's going to, she's going to live with me the rest of my life and take care of me. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. You have have, a life, you have to live, but okay. That same child has said the same thing. Well, I'm going to live with you and dad forever, but don't you want to get married? Yes. But I'm going to convince my husband to live here too. And I'm like, no, that's that's what she said said that she's going to move her family in here too. Yeah. And I am not against it. I am for it. I'm, I, I like, don't want to share kids. a house. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll build you another house on my property, but yeah, we've been living such close quarters for almost four years now that I'm like, we all need space. Yeah. <laughs> we need to be able to like walk through a place like going forwards and not like crab walking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Being able to lift our hands above our head and not hit a ceiling. That would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like the larger the family, the more you prioritize your time towards your children and not towards yeah. them being so busy. Because I have kids who have a lot of different interests, but I'm like, hey, we're not going to do that because I'm not going to be running you all to six right. different things. Right. So, And so the other thing is there, uh, let's just say we didn't have enough time like to, uh, okay, so let me say this in a soft way um we have become like so needy as a society but we need 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 you have to give me every second of your time it's all about me it's all about me you have to do this for me now and you have to do this for me now and so when you are like it's good it's a good thing 
to not for your kids not to have all of you all the time. Like I that's agree. how they that's how they become independent. That's how they like become not selfish. That's how they become generous. That's how they learn to help their siblings. That's how yeah. they they have relationship and how they learn different personalities if they're not just under you all day. And I've just seen so many like one single and sometimes God gives women one child and that yeah. is fine. It's okay. Um, if that's all God has for you. Um, but too often I see families choosing one child because they want to give them the world. And then that one child is like, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't need I, to put a word to it. <laughs> so very, then here's the other side. self entitled. They're very entitled. <laughs> here's the other side that I would have said to your mom if your mom if your mom came to me and said what she said to you that she she didn't get enough time growing up I would have said so do you wish they didn't have you right she probably would have said yes at the time yes I know people that (laughs) would say yes but at the end of the day okay so you know how the bible says love others the way you love yourself well I grew up saying well I don't love myself so I don't have to love others like that's really what I thought I did not (laughs) like myself and then I had um, somebody approach me and say uh do you like eat do you shower (laughs) you do your hair right you do love yourself you know you know what I mean right at the end of the day we do love ourselves at the end of the day you do want to live you are grateful for your breath like you are happy your life you can tell me all day you're not I had a friend the other day tell me that she wishes her mom never gave birth never had her that she wishes she never lived and I'm like no you don't and by the time we were got done talking she was like you're right I don't I'm glad she had me so like we say that on a whim to prove our point, but that's not true. Nobody really thinks that. No. Um, so anyway, all of that to say, if you didn't have enough time, if you didn't <laughs> have enough time um, for your child, are they not worthy of life? Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So we cannot put our time on their worth. And that's what every reason we're going, every reason we're going to say, I'm going to end it with saying, let's just say that was true. Are they still worthy of being alive? Because they're only with you for 18 years. So all the other time that they have is not going to be about what you can or cannot give. And it's not about you, it's about them and their life and their calling and their purpose. And God created them, not you. You might have partnered. Right. And if that were the case, then moms who do work full-time, I mean, both my parents worked full-time then should they not have had us? Yeah, they shouldn't have had any kids because you don't have time when you work. Yeah. To me, that doesn't make sense. But yeah, I agree. No, I agree. But in our finite minds, we can reason that um, to that place. And I just want to give a different perspective. I'm not saying I don't, I totally understand where people come up with these where they feel like they're doing something good for someone. But yeah. at the end of the day, you're either offering life or death. Those are the yeah. only two options. There isn't yes. life in the nothingness. It's life or death. Yeah. And we don't know if God has another child for us. So there could be nothingness. You know what I mean? But yeah. why not let God be God? Right. And decide that for us. Okay. Re- the next reason, reason three. I don't have any family or a village to help me. So today, the new thing is it takes a village. 
And I'm here to say I have zero, zero village. And it doesn't take a village. A village would be nice and amazing yeah. and a dream world. But at the end of the day, the society we're living in now, back then, they, they had a village. And it did sound a little bit easier, maybe. But um, we don't have villages today. We don't operate in a society of villages. And no. God knows that. He yeah. knows if you have a village or you don't have a village. And he knows who's for you or against you. He knows what he's given you. And he will not, like, he's not going to stop multiplying his people because they don't have a village. Now, guess what? When he multiplies you, you get a village. Like, do you right. see what I'm saying? Like, yes. he's building your village. I see, yeah. like, these huge families and I'm like, oh, man, that looks amazing. Me too. Well, <laughs> you want a village, right? Like, yeah. I want a village. Well, then create one. I don't yeah. have one. So Throw God, one. <laughs> yeah. That's what God did in the Bible. He multiplied yep. his people in yes. their worst, worst circumstances. Like, they were slaves yeah. in Israel, and he grew yep. them so much that they could get out. I mean, not in Israel, yeah. slaves in Egypt. He Egypt. multiplied them so much they could get out of Egypt. Yeah, that was um, actually the story that I immediately thought about was Joseph being sent on ahead to bring his family there so yeah, that they could be yeah, provided yeah. for during the famine. And from that point, they didn't have a, they had their right. immediate family, but they didn't have a whole village and the Lord exploded, exploded, their, <laughs> exploded their population yes. to the point that after so many generations, the Pharaoh was like, Ooh, they have to be slaves because they're yeah. going to take us over. Yeah. There's too many of them. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. They Grow your village. Take over. Yeah. They did. They did. <laughs> I mean, like I was reading the other day, well, like a few weeks ago, um, how big, how many people like crossed the Red Sea, like how many people actually right. went with the 12 tribes of Israel. I was like, oh my gosh, 700,000 men. And that's not including the women and children. And that's you know insane. that there was so many children. <laughs> yeah. So many children. So many. Yeah. yeah that's so anyway, insane. you don't. You don't need a village. Um, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And so all those weak areas, God gets more glory. So when, yeah. like, I don't have a village to come in and give my kids diapers or birthday presents or whatever it is that I might be lacking. I don't have anyone to help me with my rent. I don't have anyone to get us food if we can't pay the bill, but I have God and he has always, always. And so who gets the glory in that? No, not my husband for working his three jobs because it's still right. his three jobs are not going. Somebody will look at my family and say, he still, he still makes less than a, a two child family. Yeah, it's true. But God provides, we yeah. tithe and God provides. And so in your weakness, God get the glory. And yes. so you trust God more through not having a village. Now, if you have a village, even better. But right. If you don't have a village, if you don't have a village, it's not a reason. Um, and then we'll go back to, is that 11th child not worthy because you don't have an extra grandma's hands? Right. No. <laughs> I didn't have any help. I had twins. And for every pregnancy, my mom would take like a week off, right? Yeah, mine Like too. the week after and she'd come and yeah. she'd help do stuff. But then yeah, I was on my here. own. Like, exactly. Same completely here. Completely yeah. on my own. So I I never had that help. And I lived close to family. But oh. everybody lived their own lives. You know, yeah, my sisters yeah. were also having babies and working. Yeah. 
And I was the only one who had babies and stayed home. And because I was staying home, my husband did have two, three jobs. You know, he yeah. was always working. I, we never saw yeah. him, you know, yeah. he struggled to be home before bedtime. So, but I mean, I did that. I had a, what, a four-year-old, a one-year-old and newborn twins by myself. Yeah. And I managed just fine. And actually of all of my postpartum experiences, the twins were my favorite. Really? Yes, absolutely. Hands down. Wow. I would have, I actually, when I got pregnant again, after the twins, I told James, I hope it's twins again. That's encouraging. And then when I had twins again, when I got pregnant again, after the fifth one, I said, I really hope it's twins. <laughs> I wanted twins. I, I didn't want twins. Actually, when I was pregnant with our second, my husband like put his hands on my belly and he's like, how awesome would it be? if we were having twins and I was like, how dare you say that? You're never home. <laughs> that is a horrible thing to say to your wife. And a year later I was pregnant with twins. And so it was his word that came yeah. to life, <laughs> Yeah. but it was the best postpartum experience of all of the postpartum experiences I had. And they were in the NICU for like nine and 10 days, which was pretty rough, but yeah, once they were home, and we just got into the rhythm of life. It, it was so beautiful. It was like the most beautiful experience I had ever had. So That's I would awesome. do it over and over again. <laughs> and I had wow. a one-year-old. She was only 19 months old. Yeah. <laughs> she was still a baby. <laughs> so you'd think I would have been like ripping my hair out, but I loved it. And I, you know, I'd strap them on and we'd go grocery shopping at Costco and we'd go to Michael's and pick out crafts and people are like staring at me because, yeah. you know, I'm carrying two babies and I'm pushing a baby and I've got a toddler, basically preschooler walking next to me. Yeah. And all the questions came, but I loved it. I absolutely loved everything about it. I would do it over at 45. Awesome. I do it over. <laughs> I mean, even the, like, I've had experiences like that. Like my, when I had my third, it was uh, like the best ever but when I had my second it was torture like I was like I can't do this so even in my really hard like I have to have a village where I'm going to just uh deconstruct um I got through it like it's a season you'll get yeah. through those times like I can I'll tell you after I had after I gave birth to my 10th it is the like my ninth almost died in the hospital before I got pregnant with the 10th. And I thought that was the worst thing I've ever been through. Like I thought, I didn't think I could survive anything worse than that. Then after my 10th, she went back to the hospital and he was hospitalized after birth. And Oh, you froze. You froze. <laughs> It, your phone froze. <laughs> oh, did it? Yeah. Okay. So you said he had, he had gone back to the hospital. Yeah. And she was in the hospital. He went to the hospital after birth. And then when he got home, she went to the hospital. Okay. And I, um, I've never been in a, such a dark place in my life. Like the things I would tell women to do to get out of it, like spiritually, weren't well they weren't doing anything they weren't working for me 
and I couldn't see past the storm. All I had was this cloud on me and I couldn't get out of it. And I didn't think I'd ever, I'd ever get out of it. Like I couldn't see the other side, but guess what? I got out of it. I have like the most amazing one-year-old or almost one-year-old baby ever. Um, and I'm happier than ever. And I'm pregnant with the 11th, like things I never thought would come to pass. So right. when you're in the storm, all you see is the storm, but there is a rainbow coming and we just have to persevere. We cannot um, sit in the, I don't have, I don't have anybody and I can't do this because God will get you through it. You just have to keep trusting him. Very true. And they're always worth it. Yeah. They're always worth it. Always. Even when you think they're not like, even when you have that newborn where you're like, I don't know, the, that, that stage will be over. Like it does. You, I just said that to my mother-in-law today because she's talking, they live in Michigan still and they haven't seen the kids for two years. And she's like, they're growing up so fast. And I said, I know. And I remember when they were all so little and we hadn't slept for about nine or 10 years. And I yeah. remember thinking this is never going to end. Yeah. And, and now they're all to the point where they're so independent. They get sick and they're like, mom, I threw up. Do you need <laughs> anything? And they're like, no, I'm okay. I'm just going to drink some coconut water. And then they go lay down and I'm like, I'm not even yeah. needed anymore. Am I needed? Yeah. How did that yeah. happen? <laughs> yeah. Like I remember, I remember before I got married, before I had kids, people said, it goes by so fast. And I'm like, mm -hmm. blah, 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 you know, like whatever. You, Everybody you says that. Care. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. you just get annoyed. And you, the, the, the first three months of a baby being born is the longest time of your entire life. And you're like, this doesn't yes. go by fast. What are you talking about? And then they turn 14 and you're like, how did that happen? I just gave birth to her. And I, there's no right. way I'm 40. So I don't know what just happened. <laughs> it's crazy. There was a time warp and, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the sad thing is people can tell you all this stuff, but you don't believe it till you experience it. Yeah. It's very so true. If I could just tell somebody, just believe me. I, know. I mean, I didn't I'm believe telling the them, truth. but yeah, <laughs> I promise. Please just listen to me. Just do what I said. If I, if I could go back and believe people, I would. Yeah, me too. Oh my goodness, me too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, reason number four, overpopulation. You're going to upset all of the climate change <laughs> oh, people. <am> and <laughs> I mean, at this point, after 2020, do people really still believe this? I don't know. If you do, I don't know where you're living because... It's been debunked a whole lot. Like even Elon Musk is out there telling the truth about it. So right. I don't I don't really know how this could still be a thing, although I do get this a lot still, a whole lot. But let me just say this. Um, this can be a short one. First, okay, so we'll say this. First of all, let's let's talk about God in this. Is God going, if God is the giver of life, if we know that only God can give life. Is God going to kill his creation by overpopulating it? What? No. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? that Why would he also put sense. us here without enough resources? Right. Like, is he faithful? Is he good? Who do we trust? The second thing is, if you actually, like, fly in a plane, and most people have these days, 
look down there's like 90 percent of the earth not populated yes what we're seeing in overpopulation is people love community and so they're all going to one place so that's why we have big cities everyone's going to that big city and yes you go to a big city and it will look overpopulated yeah. but at the end of the day overpopulation is a big humongous lie it's an agenda to depopulate the earth and to stop it's the enemy's um plan to stop god's people from multiplying and so the enemy knows he cannot defeat god god's already he's already satan's already been defeated jesus already died he already rose so how else can he get how else could he get victory to take out god's people how is he going to do that by the depopulation lie by telling you if you have more children that he's going to get you to stop having children because you're killing the planet that god made like let's just think about logic this. how dare you use logic that seems <laughs> so it just seems unreal <laughs> yeah logic's not allowed in today's society i've learned yeah i mean all of that to say all of these reasons come back to the same thing the enemy is trying to convince us yeah that we should not keep allowing god to give life yes because like the enemy can't create life i don't think i mean they're doing nope. some really weird things these days <laughs> with cloning and stuff but, but they're not actually creating like yeah he they're replicating something yeah 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 the enemy can't create like actual life mm -hmm. um and so he's going to do whatever he can to stop us from allowing for partnering with god because god's not going to force his will on anybody and so and that's exactly what was said to adam and eve when they sinned that was exactly what the lord said was going to happen so yeah that's just part of that curse yeah i have a kid like pointing at the door and pointing at a phone or pointing at my window and a phone it's not my phone <laughs> give it to your sister give it to your sister <laughs> i don't know what to tell you kid <laughs> So what is number five? We're only on five. That's crazy. Oh, I feel like we've done like 10. I know. <laughs> because okay, they're, because each of the topics is actually really, it, there's a deep root and a deep yeah. seed that's been planted to yeah. convince us of these lies. We're so deeply deceived by things yes. that we hold on to it as truth because it's just what we've always been taught or always been yeah. told. And and there really is, there are no, there's no root system to that seed. There, it, There's nothing holding that weed in the ground. And if you yeah. can pull it up, like. Yeah. And more so easy to hear something and be like, oh, that sounds good. Okay. Yeah, sure. And just keep moving. <laughs> right. right. But like, the, like I said, this is a serious topic, serious issue. We're talking about life and death. And yes. so let's like really um, dig deep into these things. All right. Number five is I want me time. I want to travel and find me. Yeah. Well, and that's what um, you said, right? Yeah. That's one reason why I didn't want to have kids. Yeah. Um, so my question is, why are we put on the earth? So let's just like go straight Bible. Why did God create me? Is it so I can travel and have me time? No, it was for communion and relationship with you. <laughs> 
Yeah. And it, and Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. Jesus also says, um, the only way that we can follow him is to die to ourselves and to follow right. him. So if I am not dying to myself, if I am like, I want me time, my life is about me and I want to experience the world. There's no verses in the Bible that tell me that I have to travel the world or that I have to have me time to be fulfilled. It's actually me time and traveling. They're not bad things. I'm not calling right. them bad things, but they are distractions from the will of God, the calling of God. And um, they are filling a void only God can fill. So what we're doing right. when we're wanting me time, we're like, oh, I will, I will be fulfilled and filled up and I can do my job if I have me time. Do you know right. how many times? I have gone on that trip and been like, now I can go be a mom to just come back and not feel filled up at all. You know, like yep. now I need a, now I need a vacation for my vacation yeah. because the vacation isn't filling you up. The right. traveling isn't filling you up. The me time, go, go sit in the bath when you're out of the bath, your life's the same, you know, like right. you're not getting filled up by having an hour to yourself. Right. There's a lie from the enemy that you need to be about you. When really our only fulfillment is that time with God and yes. that um, dying to yourself and living for him and serving him and doing what he asks us to do. Yes. That's where you'll find true me time. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and being a mother, you'll find me time and being a mother. So yeah, I can remember when I had four, three, four, five little ones, like little, like we'll say seven and under. Um, I can remember every day I would wake up and just survive until six o'clock, maybe five <laughs> o'clock. I think I put my kids to bed at five or six when it got dark at, when it got dark at five 30, you know what that means? Go to bed so I can just chill out by myself and have me time. And then they would go to bed and I would sit there like, I miss them. I rushed them through the day. Did I spend time with them? I didn't even enjoy my me time. I just yeah. got in guilt. Did I yell too much? Did I yes. spend time with them? Like I yeah. wanted, I couldn't wait to see them. And then the next morning I see them and I'm like, um, hurry up 530. You know, right. like it's a never ending cycle because we're not finding our fulfillment in the calling God's given us. So the only way to do that is to accept our role as mothers, to really cherish motherhood, to really like yeah. enjoy our children. And I will tell you with 10 children now, this is going to sound terrible, but we don't go to bed till midnight or 1 a.m. because we have basketball till 10 every night. And my favorite part of the day is my us time from 11 to 1 a.m. where I get to sit with my children and laugh with them and talk to them. I mean, I have us time all day, but like that's our chill time where we have no agenda yeah. and we can just be together. I do not like... I do not want them to go to bed until I go to bed. You know, like right. I want to yeah. be with you all the time. My husband's like, you can go to the store. I'll keep the kids. And I'm like, I'm not going to the store. Let's go the together. Yes. Like, no, I need them with me. He's like, no, you can go out, go get something. No, they're coming. I want all of them. I don't want three of them. I want all of them. Like, <laughs> They're now like they've become my me time. I don't know. They've yeah. become like what I enjoy and want. Yeah. Um, You've been sanctified because... to the point that they are part of who you are. Yes. It's, yes. And it's not in a like 
not in a derogatory, they're like these yeah. extra appendages, yeah, but yeah, yeah. in a, they are part of the love that you're carrying yes. with you and you want yes. to share that love with everybody. Why yes. wouldn't you want to bring these children yeah. for everybody to partake in the joy, in the peace, yeah. and the love that they bring everywhere that they go? Of course. Yeah. I don't want to leave that at home. Yeah. No, it's an accepting of this is my joy. Like this is my love them so much. I don't want to do anything without them. Now, yeah. do I have still have those moments where I'm like, I need a women's night. Hey, peace. Yeah. You know, like, yes, I still have those nights. <laughs> yeah. But um, ultimately... Um, when we surrender our will to the Lord, we will find our fulfillment in the calling he's given us. So if you, if anyone, cause I remember those years where I was like, how could anybody like this? How could anybody like motherhood? I wanted a career. I wanted all those things. I wanted an identity. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what it, what was really happening is I hadn't accepted the calling that God had put on my life. And I hadn't accepted the identity that he had given me. I hadn't surrendered my will to his. And when I finally changed my perspective and surrendered it, then I found like true fulfillment. And I didn't need, I don't need me time. Yeah. Did you ever read The Powerful Motherhood? Or no. Power of Motherhood? Is it by Nancy Campbell? It is. I have it, but I've never read it. Oh my goodness. That came in my life between my first and my second. And it changed my whole perspective because going from no kids to one kid was so, so hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I struggled those first three years. Like, I don't, I don't like who I am. I don't like this person. Yeah. This isn't what I thought it was going to look like this. I, I was so irritated by yeah. motherhood. Yeah. <laughs> was, and like I had to repent to my two-year-old laying in bed <laughs> while I was pregnant with my third or my second, you know, I'm just like, I need to ask you to forgive me for being so not here, not with you and not enjoying this yeah. and not actually like being a part of being the mom, you know, and that book completely changed my whole perspective and made me realize that understanding what that role is, because society does not teach us what a mother is. Society yeah. teaches that there are birthing people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody can be a mother, right? Yeah. But but yeah. that's not true. There's a there's a divine design for women as mothers. And nobody can really teach us what that looks like either. You really have to be in that quiet place with him for him to, yeah. to show you who that is for you to be, because you're a totally different mother than I am. Yeah. <laughs> how you mom your kids is totally different than how I mom my kids. And it's beautiful. Both are beautiful because yeah. we're both walking in the gifts and the talents and the strengths and the weaknesses that we have. So knowing who that is, you really have to be in his heart and close to his heart and know his voice so that you can walk alongside of him and he can direct your steps. But I have friends, I have a friend who has five children and they travel everywhere. Every six to eight weeks, they go on family trips. They just yeah. got home from Hawaii. And she is a, oh, she's so cool. <laughs> I've known her for a really long time. She is a massive coupon saver. Like she finds oh. all the deals. She actually decided to open her own travel. Um, What do you call that? Somebody who arranges your travel for you. Travel group. Yeah. yeah, like travel group or travel agency or whatever. Agent, yeah. Yeah. 
so that she could help people like plan Disney trips and things like that yeah. because she knows all the ins, ins and outs of Disney. They go to Disney two, three, sometimes four times a year as a family. And then she takes individual trips with her kids too. Like they just prioritize traveling yeah. as a family. And she does it by saving money on these things. You know, she utilizes the credit cards to earn the points to get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she they, right. They flew to Hawaii, a family of seven for like $700 round trip. You know, That's like crazy. she is so good at doing those things. So it's not even that, like, if you have a large family, you can't yeah. travel. That's yeah. not true. We've taken so many road trips with our kids. We have done more traveling since we've had a large family than I did before I got married. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Because yeah, I, we, we travel does. a lot too. Yeah. Um, and isn't it more fun to see the world with your children? Yes. Oh yourself? my gosh. So much more fun. I remember yeah. when I was single and I went to Vermont and we were on Lake Champlain. I don't know if you've ever been to Lake Champlain, but it's gorgeous. They wanted it to become one of the five great lakes, but it was denied, <laughs> but it's absolutely beautiful there. And I remember standing out on this stone balcony, like overlooking the lake and I was by myself. And I remember praying and saying, Lord, I want to have people in my life that I can share this with. Like I want a husband yeah. and children that I can share things like this with. And now I have that. And I feel like I have been able to share so much more with them <laughs> you know, taking them to the ocean. And like, that's a big deal when you live in Michigan. <laughs> yeah. And ocean's very different than an inland lake. So I just, I have found so much more joy traveling with my kids than I did alone. Yeah, for sure. Even on our honeymoon, like <laughs> so much more fun. Well, and like I, we have been blessed to travel quite a bit, but back to if you can't, I do have a friend who has never traveled in her life, pregnant with her six. They've never gone anywhere and they are paycheck to paycheck struggling a lot, but she knows that her baby is more valuable than if she travels. Yes. So one day, like I hundred percent believe God will bless them financially and they'll be able to travel and like actually do fun things with their family. But we have seasons and, um, yeah. the, well, the other thing I want to say, I'll wait till we get to the, to the next one. Okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I think we co mostly covered that one. All right. Reason number six. Oh, this is my favorite one. <laughs> uh, it's like my most annoying one ever. I, this is, this is the number one reason I get all the time. God gave us a brain to use. We must be wise. What do you call wanna, like? What do you call it, couples who don't use birth control? Parents. <laughs> that's wisdom. That's using the brain you were given, right? It makes me want to gouge my my ears, cut my ears off, like take my eyes out when I hear people say this. Um, this is, in my opinion, twisted in church so bad. That, that I believe 98% of families in church don't have children for this reason. The, I the would venture to say it might even be higher than that. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe 100%. Yeah. But the condemnation you get, it like when I was in my previous church, the people that looked down on me for having a big family and being unwise, 
was almost the whole church. And so like you do get shame and condemnation from having a big family. And so they say this, what, what they say is they say there there's verses in the Bible that say, um, Oh, help me. What are the verses they use to say you must be wise? Honestly, none of them are coming to me because my husband, <laughs> because my husband and I quit using them. <laughs> I know. Because those so, were the verses he used. Yeah. It was like what it says, you know, like, well, wisdom builds her house, right? She, the beginning of the fear of God is. Yeah, that's know, wisdom. Um, yes. Something like that. Proverbs nine. I actually just read it today. It talks about the be or the reverence of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of yeah. the Holy One is understanding. Yeah. So they're using the verses about wisdom to say that we have to have wisdom. So they're what they're doing is twisting it because they're talk yeah. that's talking about God's wisdom. Yep. I have I have listed a bunch of verses to counter that. So I'm just gonna read some of them. So like first Corinthians 319, the wisdom mm -hmm. of this world is folly with God. So really we're listening to the wisdom of the world. So there's a difference. Yeah. There's wisdom of the world and there's wisdom of God. So what is God instead of looking in for verses that say be wise? Right. Well, what does be wise mean? You have right. to read the entire Bible to see what wisdom is. Yep. Just because the world says that's not wise doesn't make it wisdom. Yeah. Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So like, keep reading. Right. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Um, James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, ask God. And he will give it to to all without reproach. Without reproach. That means it never ends. It's yeah. never ending wisdom. You just have to ask him for it though. Genesis, uh, well, I don't think this is Genesis. There's one that says, seek him and you will find him. Um, he is the giver of life. He opens and closes the womb. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Our heart is deceptive. This is the actual wisdom of the Bible. The right. wisdom of the Bible says God gives life. God opens the womb. Children are a blessing. Our heart's deceptive. We're called to live by faith, to die to our flesh. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Faith is by hearing, not by sight. We live by our own ability, but rather can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And our bodies are living sacrifices for his will. So if you want actual wisdom, that's what the Bible calls wisdom. And that none of that, there is not one verse anywhere. <laughs> anywhere from there. Yeah. There is not one verse, none. My husband has looked and this is actually... <laughs> He was set out to prove me wrong, that there was somewhere, some loophole of the Bible that we can take control over this area. There's not yeah. one verse that says you can have control over life. There's not one verse that says you can decide if you want children or not. There isn't one verse. Now he does say, I mean, at the end of the day, we all, we all make, we all have free will to choose whatever we want. But if you're walking in his ways, his ways do not give us the ability to choose. Right. He says, if you don't, he says, if you want to go with your way, I will mm -hmm. give you over to that way. Right. Um, and so if we want to pull out, he'll give us over to that. Right. So 
Are you going to do it perfectly every time? Probably not. Could you mess up? Sure. Are you going to still get pregnant? Maybe. Does that mean that that was the exact time you wanted you to get pregnant? No, because you didn't put it in his way, in right. his will. So we just have to, like, I always say I am more afraid to do it in my way than to do it in his way. Because yeah. when I do it my way, yes, he'll still be the one that gave the life. Um, but he, I could, first of all, be missing a life he wanted really bad to give me. And secondly, I could be bringing forth a life in my timing and in my will to where my circumstances are not the best for that child. Right. So like when, um, when a single non-married woman gets pregnant or, um, yeah, let's just say they get pregnant. Does that mean that baby is not a blessing? No. Does that mean that her life will be much harder than a woman that's married? Yes. Is she going to have like baby mama, daddy drama? Yes. Probably. I have lots of friends that deeply regret those decisions they made because now yeah. they have to deal with all of the, the custody battles and the them teaching their kids things they don't want them to be taught and all of that. So it, it does pay off. I mean, pay off. I don't even like to use that word. It is... We need there's to blessing wisdom. there's blessing and yes. favor and doing it the way that he laid out before us to do yes. it and like you said he can still bless the lives of those people yeah. that make those mistakes because they can repent sure. and they can turn and they uh -huh. can start going in that direction and they can be flooded with his blessing and his favor mm -hmm. provided for in supernatural ways he does nothing prohibits him from blessing his children yeah. nothing but it's so much easier in a, in a support kind of a way <laughs> when you keep it within his design, it's difficult in different ways. You know, it's. Well, nothing he told um, us is nothing that he gives us in his word is to uh, make our life harder. Every right. single thing he told us is for our benefit. So right. every single thing that you read, no matter if you say, oh, I don't want to do that, it's for your good. <laughs> right. Um, and so if we want to live wise, we read his word yeah, and we walk in wisdom. But if we, we have to stop saying God gave us a brain to use. He gave us um, common sense, but yeah. faith, faith is the best brain you can use. Yeah. Um, and he's that he does say in the Bible that anything not done in faith is sin. Right. And so we have to make sure that we are trusting God with everything, especially life. I agree. If we're not activating our faith, we're actually not walking in his ways. Yeah. Faith without works is dead. And there's also no verse in the Bible that says, use your brain. No, actually, I've not. In all of my years of reading the Bible, I've never, I've never actually come across the word brain. <laughs> well, so, he, he says your heart is deceptive. A lot of people yeah. like back then probably use the concept of brain to heart, but your heart is, is deceptive. So we follow our heart. No, nobody mm -hmm. ever really says, follow your brain. They, we say, follow right. your heart. Your heart is deceptive. You don't follow your heart. You follow his ways and his word. Right. Because you will think you're acting in wisdom and you're not. You're actually completely missing 
Okay, so let's just say I didn't want any kids at all. Okay, I, I wanted what I wanted. I wanted to be like a famous singer. Yeah. If I would have gone with my wisdom, I wouldn't have 10 children. And I look at my life now and I just think I cannot, I would never have planned this life. I could never have thought about this life. I could never have dreamt of this life because it wasn't wise to me then but now yeah. this is wisdom like following god is wisdom i want i share this not because i'm pushing my life on people i'm saying we don't know what's best for us like we right. have to trust god the life i have is the most blessed i could ever be in my life i want i wouldn't want it any other way and i want you i want everyone to live blessed because god wants to bless you but we want different blessings. He doesn't yeah. want to bless you with the mansion. Right. Well, right. He, he might. He might. But that's not, that's not going to fulfill you. But uh, right. 10 children and they're eternal. The mansion dies with the earth. Yes. Like, I don't think he cares about the mansion. Yeah. The children have the, they have a calling and a purpose. Your mansion has no calling and no purpose. Your mansion goes nowhere. We yeah. want the things that die and we want to kill the things that live. Right. Which makes no sense. No. At all. <laughs> I mean, it does though. That's the, the crazy well, thing. When you live in your flesh, it makes complete sense. But true. when you live in your spirit, it makes no sense. Right. Which is it's, why our flesh and our spirit are always fighting. We have to make sure we're thinking with our spirit and not with our flesh. Right. I agree. Yeah. Sorry. I get like super passionate about this stuff. No, I like it. I like it. I do too. But you've done, you've poured the last 14 15 years, years, 15 years yeah. into studying this specific thing. Yeah. So you have the passion, the drive, the scripture, you have all of these things stored up inside of you. Yeah. And I haven't done, I haven't gone that deep. So. Right, right. I'm kind of along for the ride right now <laughs> and I'm enjoying it. So it's good. Well, good. So my next reason is another one that like makes my blood boil. Okay. But let's go there. That's your conviction. Yeah. That's, yep. So let's talk about this. Um, does the Bible ever say, well, as long as you're convicted, you should follow this. Right. No, it doesn't say that. Like, it doesn't say, well, this truth is good for her, but not for her. There that's, is only one truth. That's why you're judgmental. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It I'm absolutely kid I'm is. I'm kidding. But at the end of the day, <laughs> that's what makes it judgmental, sound. Then yep. God is judgmental. Yes. Well, he's a jealous God. He says, no, yeah. I'm jealous. And so, and he's the judge, the ultimate judge. So I guess he would be judgmental. So. <laughs> anyway, um, then people say not every family is called to have a lot of children. That is absolutely true. Not every family is called to have a lot of children, but every family is called to trust God and have faith in him. So I know lots of women that beg God for children and don't have any. I know lots of women that trusted God and only had two. Um, it is whatever God gives. So just because I'm saying to trust God in that area does not mean you're going to have 40 children, but it could mean you have 40 children. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you have seven 
and you're going to want more and you're going to be willing to have 40. I just really believe that. So is that my, I stopped at six. So if I would have just had seven, I would have been like, okay, (laughs) we can just keep going. Okay. I'm just throwing an umbrella there. Okay. I just feel like, I know I understand what you're saying. You get to a certain point and you're like, well, what's one more? Yeah. What's one more? And we we were like that. Yeah. We, we felt that way until I almost died after giving birth to my seventh and my husband, like was scared out of his mind. If you yeah. die, I cannot take care of these kids by myself. So we're not doing any, we're not doing this anymore. <laughs> and we are going to cover that one of the, that's the yep. reason we're going to cover that. But, but I mean, that's, <laughs> so I get it. That So that happened on your seventh child? On my sixth. Well, technically okay. my seventh, because I miscarried between my first two. But oh, yeah. Okay. Because my seventh child, I almost died and she almost died. So there's like something with the seventh child. I've had a lot of people that had something happen with their seventh. Interesting. um, All that to say, there is no conviction. Like now there are, okay, so there are like things like somebody might feel convicted to wear dresses. Now the Bible doesn't say women have to wear dresses. It says women should look like women and men should look like men. And if we want to dig really deep into that, men wore dresses back then, okay? Right. You know what I mean? I do, 100%. Yeah, tunics. um, That is not like you, I can't go around saying you have to have, you you can't like, you can't, you have to wear dress because that's not specifically in the Bible. But if that is your conviction, I will say, if that's what you feel led to do, do it for the Lord and I'll cheer you on. Right. Because the Bible does talk about how we should not discourage someone for, for living in those convictions yes. that are not actually in the Bible, but they're doing it for the Lord. So be right. happy for them for doing it for the Lord. Exactly. Now, trusting God with your womb is not a, one of those preference convictions. It's not. This <laughs> is, there are convictions and then there's truth. And we have to stop yeah. calling truth convictions. I am not convicted to not kill somebody. I mean, maybe, maybe too, though, like (laughs) I may feel convicted. Don't murder that person. (laughs) I mean, but it's also a truth. Thou shalt not murder. Like nobody goes around saying, I got really convicted. I was about to kill them. No, because we, (laughs) that would be funny. You only use conviction in something that isn't clear. Right. Right. Yes, I agree. So like no one says, I got convicted that I shouldn't steal. No, you just know. Right. You just know you shouldn't murder. You just know you shouldn't steal. You just know you shouldn't have an affair. You might get right. convicted about talking to that man, but the actual affair is not a conviction because right. that's just a truth, uh, understanding knowledge that that's wrong. So we have right and wrong in society. And then we have conviction. We have to be very careful that what that we're not calling the truth of the word of God conviction. Yeah. I agree. And I think a lot of people in today's society mix those up. Yeah, definitely mix that up because, and I, I'm, I've been guilty of that too. Yeah. Like if that's your conviction, then follow your conviction. I feel like this is what the Lord's revealed to me. So this is what I'm doing. And yeah. I've always had strong convictions about certain things and I've always followed that. So for me, 
I should probably be more careful of the words that I'm using and how I'm using them because it does make an impact. It does matter. I mean, it's how the church uses it. Yeah. And really, when you use the word conviction, it makes it justifiable. So right. anything you say is, is a conviction, then people are like, okay, well, if that's just your conviction, then it's not true in the Bible. Like no pastor goes around saying, um, I'm convicted not to murder, but you do whatever you feel convicted for. Do you know what right. I'm saying? Like the actual yeah. truth of the word was never called a conviction. Yes. And so we will say like, um, uh, like it, it's hard because there are things not specifically spelled out in the Bible. So like the word abortion is not in the Bible, but I can confidently tell you that's not a conviction. Like that's just a truth. Um, I'm not going to say I was convicted not to get an abortion. No, that's just the same thing as what we were talking about. So, um, anyway, not, this to is, not murder. Yeah, exactly. So this is, um, like I'm, this is lingo we use in the church conviction about everything, conviction, conviction. And God just really showed me that we have to be careful that when we actually use the word conviction, we're, we're making sin, uh, sugar, we're sugarcoating sin. Right. Making it so we're, somewhat acceptable. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which I mean, that is kind of how it is these days. A lot of it is just made to be that that's between you and God and right, which it is, but, but we're not allowed to say anything. All right. So how much more time we got? Oh, how long have we been doing this? Oh, no, I don't have a timer. Like an hour and 15 maybe. And we just finished six. I just finished seven. Seven. Let's go to 10. Okay. All right. So number eight is health. Um, this is a lot of people's this is one you just brought up and yep. one that my husband tried to stop after four due to my health. Like I actually had a car accident. I would black out at this door. And I could, I would go blind and I couldn't, I had my little kids mm -hmm. and I, I'd walk around the store feeling things until my vision would come back. Like, um, wow. I had a lot of health issues. I went to every doctor, every single doctor that I went to constantly, every week I got poked, prodded test after test. And they diagnosed me with MS. They told me I had a hole in my heart. They couldn't, they couldn't heal MS. They did a surgery on my heart to close the hole. And then they couldn't find the hole. And then they closed me up, went back in, found the hole again. Like what? I was, I said, God, sorry, I'm done. I'm not going to another doctor. I said this, I'm giving you my health right now. And God said, quit your job. And I said, uh, my husband just got fired, but I'll tell him. And I went home and I told my husband, I'm quitting my job. And I was uh, nine months pregnant with our fourth child. I had where I was working the night shift. And he was like, we just bought a brand new house, a brand new car. We own two houses now. We have bigger bills than we've ever had and you're quitting your job. And I said, yes, the Lord told me, he, the Lord had been asking me to quit my job for four, four or five years at this point. And I always told God, I always said, if you make a way, I'll quit my job. That was my answer. 
Does that sound like faith or anything in the Bible? Absolutely not. It sounds like every human being. (laughs) Yeah. So when I was really, really, really sick and like so tired of going to doctors, I said, okay, God, God, the Lord said, if, if you wait for the, the time that you can provide and that you, that there's a way for you to quit your job, then what do you need me for? And I was, he was like, I was like, okay. So he said, faith is doing something that is impossible that only I can do. So you either quit in faith or you work the rest of your life. Cause you're never going to, you're yeah. never going to get to a place where you feel like you can quit your job at the end of the day. No, any woman working, if she's waiting on the time for her, because what happens is we are, our whole lifestyle adjusts to that income. And then you want to somehow make enough money to quit. So your husband has to double his income. But then when he doubles his income on the way to doubling it, you've already changed your lifestyle. Yes. You will never get to a place that you can quit your job. Never. Yes. Um, And so I talk to women all the time about this. Like I talked to a woman the other day who actually ended up quitting her job and she, and, and the most impossible. And I was like, that is what faith is. And God has provided, it's been like, three, two, three months, God's provided every step of the way for her. It's just been really cool to sit back and watch because I lived it. Anyway, all that to say, when I quit my job, the Lord healed me completely. I never had another blackout. I never felt another MS episode. I had no more lesions in my brain. Like I was completely healed. Wow. And then the Lord started teaching me about healing and all that. And um, like, I could make this really long, but I'm going to like, just quickly sum up my seventh baby, um, almost died like 11 times in the womb. And I remember when I was missed physically miscarrying and the doctor was like, just bring me the dead baby tomorrow. Don't come in. We can't stop it. And I sat in the bath and the Lord said, I've been teaching you healing for this moment right here. And so I sat in the bath for five hours and I said, God, I'm not getting out until I know for sure my baby's fine and I'm healed. And I went to get it. I sat in the bath for five hours. I got up, the bleeding had stopped. I went to the doctor the next day and the baby was fine. Um, but then I had like 10, 15 weeks of them telling me I'd miscarry every single week. Anyway, the Lord, I never saw the healing. I never saw the healing. So I I went to the Lord and I said, you told me I'm healed. Like I believed I was healed, but I never saw it. And the Lord said, what does it say? Faith is not by sight. Um, So I never got to see it until she was born. And so like my seventh baby is is, um, a complete miracle. You know, my answer, her name's answer to prayer, but the Lord taught me healing. And so at the end of the day, we can't just say my health is struggling. Now we know we've talked about this. We know that pregnancy heals us yes that it's good for your body yes and um like I had complications but I'm they even say they say that when you have MS pregnancy um takes your MS symptoms and and covers them up and so Hmm. um a lot of disease is covered up in pregnancy but then they have they just passed all these scientific studies saying it actually heals the different diseases so anyway All of that to say, we can trust God for healing and we can trust God with our health. And um, 
people always say like, how, how do you lose the baby weight? How do you stay fit? I do nothing. I do not work out. I have too many children for that. I have homeschooling schedules. I, I have other jobs. I have Bible studies and we have a home church. I do not have time to go work out. Do I want to work out? Yes. Do I want to like take that time and go work out? I do. But I have other priorities like callings that the Lord has put in my life. So what does he ask me to do? Well, he asks me to fast quite often. And in fasting, fasting will heal your body. Now, I don't do it for health reasons, and I don't do it to lose weight, but the Lord has sustained my body as I obey him. So as I obey him in fasting, when he, whenever he says fast, I'll fast, however long he asks me to fast, he heals my body. Fasting can, like, and I'm not talking about the Daniel fast. I'm not talking about right. the social media fast. I'm not right. talking about these, uh, well, I'm not talking about a water fast, a, a water only fast. That's not a fast. The Bible said in Hebrew, the word fast actually means nothing in your mouth. That means no water, no nothing, no cranberry juice, no hot tea, whatever. Like I hear sermons where they're like, you should be drinking hot tea while you're fasting. It's good for your body. No, it is sure if you want to do a health fast, but if you want to do a biblical fast, nothing enters the mouth. Um, so anyway, that is the, that is how the Lord keeps me healthy, but he also has healed broken bones in my house, like seven children's broken bones. I'm talking split in two. He's healed them in a week. We wow. go back, never needed a cast. Like the Lord has taught me so many healings. It is insane. We have a, a monument in our house where we write down every miracle. It is full. I have no more space to write anything. It is completely covered with all the healings God has given us. Um, okay. You know what? I'm going to cover one more with this because they go together. Um, where it, the one that says, I could, I'm afraid to die in right. birth. So, um, first of all, you have a higher chance of dying on your way to basketball than you do in birth. The statistics are out that more people die in a car accident than in birth. Right. Um, so let's just put the facts out there to start with. The second thing is, um, I say this all the time and people might look at me like I'm straight up crazy, but I really believe this. If I, if, okay. Any mother would say if there was a car driving towards you and it was either you or your daughter who are you gonna who are you gonna let the car hit me every obviously time obviously me yes even if I have 20 other children it's gonna yeah. hit me I've lived I've lived 40 years she's lived 14 I'm going right. to let her live if God told me tomorrow I need you to have one more baby but you're not gonna survive but that baby has a big calling on their life am I gonna go through with the pregnancy yes there were, there was, I don't know. I don't know if there's another one. There's one time in the Bible where, um, a woman died in birth. I don't think there's more than one witness account in the Bible. It could be wrong, but, um, jo Joseph's mom, mm -hmm. she died in childbirth Rebecca. on their, on their way to somewhere. I cannot, I cannot remember the details. But her baby survived, but she died right after the baby was born. Um, 
should she have not had that child? Right. No, she would have a hundred percent still wanted to have, wanted to have that, ch- that child. So are we willing to give up our life for another? Right. The Bible, the Bible says, um, ooh, the greatest love is to give up your life for another, something like that. Can you like quote it? There is no me? greater love that go. a man has than to lay it's down his life for yes. his brother. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and so we say that all the time. I would right. die for you. I would do this for you. We don't believe it because the second we're, we're faced with any type of option of death, we won't go through with it. We'll jump out of an airplane, but we won't go give birth. Like you, what? <laughs> I would not jump out of an airplane. <laughs> just okay, just well, to preface, get but. the wheel of a car. I mean, right. driving a car. Well, that's just probably, it. Right. Yeah. Way way higher chance of yeah. death and we're willing but, to take certain risks but not and others i understand that that fear that gets planted because that's where my husband was right and i don't know that i necessarily thought well if i get pregnant again i'll die but my husband was so adamant that if something else happens to you and mind you like a lot of people hear that i almost died after my last birth but i had right. the first unmedicated, all natural childbirth out of all six of my children. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And that, and she turned like transverse right at the last minute. And like, we had all of these things and everybody was like, it's so good that you didn't have an epidural because we would have been having a C-section and like the Lord orchestrated everything and it was beautiful. And then the enemy tried to steal that. Yeah. The enemy tried to kill me because he was like, how dare you bring forth this life in the way you were created to do it and rejoice. And he tried to steal it. And we knew that we knew that as soon as I went into shock, as soon as all of this, all of the things started to develop, the craziest part about it, about the whole testimony is that before I even knew that there was an issue the, the Holy Spirit had me praying to stop the bleeding. And I don't even know why, like, it's not something I ever prayed after any of my other births, right. but yeah. I, I just kept praying over and over and over again. And I was like, Lord, stop the bleeding, stop the bleeding, stop the bleeding. And I was like, why? I, I don't understand. Like, what is, where's is that coming from? Well, I was internally hemorrhaging. I developed yeah. a 17 centimeter retroperitoneal hematoma from an all natural childbirth. It's in a medical journal because it had never happened. And I, they asked me if they could put the case in their journal. And I said, that's fine. As long as you give God the credit for healing me, because none of yeah. you did anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only here because of him. Yeah. And, and that was true. Like even the doctor, because I had, a, I had a midwife, but after I started to go into shock and they couldn't figure out what was wrong until they started doing CT scans and ultrasounds and all of the things, then they assigned all of the OBs in the hospital to my case. And at one point I lost half of my blood into my own abdomen and a doctor came in and she looked at me and the look on her face, I was like, do I look that bad? And she said, you look like a delicate wilting flower and you really need a blood transfusion. And I was like, she goes, but I'm not going to give you one. (laughs) And I said, what? 
She goes, I don't, I don't feel like I'm supposed to give you one. Wow. And I, and I was like, okay, so what do I do to build my blood back up? And she said, you have to eat a lot of red meat. You got to eat a lot of deep greens, drink orange juice. So your body absorbs it like that citric acid, like really pulls it into your bloodstream and utilizes it to create, build more red blood cells. She's like, but I, every doctor wants to give you this blood transfusion, but I can't do it. And she didn't. And I ate a lot of red meat and a lot of spinach in the hospital for a solid week that I was in there. And I continued to once I got home. But from when I got into the hospital, my hemoglobin was like 14.3 or whatever. By the time I was um, had gone through this whole event, I was down to 7.1. And by the time I was discharged a week later, I was already up to 8.3 in a week. And they couldn't believe it because I refused to take iron supplements or anything like that either. Cause I was like, I don't do anything unnatural. That's not what I do. No synthetics, anything. So I went home and I continued that diet. And I think I had to go back at three weeks because I, they wanted me to get a new prescription for my pain medication, which I had already within the first week of being home weaned myself off of. And I got there and they checked my hemoglobin. They're like, you're 13.7. Mm. How is that possible? And I said, the Lord, like yeah. I'm just doing what, <laughs> what I know to do. But I had friends who bled less than that, lost less blood and had blood transfusions after birth. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And didn't even recover as quickly mm -hmm. with a blood transfusion. So there. I never felt like if I ever got pregnant again, I would die. I've never felt that. That's never been a fear. Has it been like a, wor a worry, a concern? Like what if yeah. something were to happen? For sure. For sure. Because, you know, I've miscarried. I've had babies in the NICU. Like we've also had these things. And th that is scary. And the more kids you add, the more you're like, do I have time to not be well? for my kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That, that is a, I get that. I get yeah. why people feel that way without a doubt. And I also 100% fully with everything in me believe that as long as you are following his word, mm -hmm. he will provide for everything that you need, no matter what that looks like, whether it's healing, whether it's the financial part of that, whether it's your time, he, we never had help. We never had a village, right? He brought a family from a church that we had attended on and off. The wife of that family, the mom, they had like grown children at that point. So she was like almost a grandma. She came and invested all of her time in my kids. Like literally out of nowhere, practically. So it's not even necessarily like, I don't have a village. I don't have these people around me. If you're doing what he's called you to do, he will literally provide everything that you need in that moment. And I watched it in my own life, but yeah. we did succumb to my husband's fears and anxieties for a good eight years Okay, where we prevented, we didn't use birth control. We used the pullout method. Um, we tried to use like contraceptives, like condoms. Um, I developed, uh, imagine this, I developed a latex allergy. <laughs> imagine that. Yeah. And I'm like, what are the odds? Yeah. How does that even happen? 
Um, it, it was just like one, and every time something happened, I would bring it back to my husband, like, maybe the Lord's telling us we need to trust him in this. And my husband's like, I'm too old. I'm too, we don't have enough money. We're, we're living in an yeah. RV now. Like it was, I mean, it's always been a yeah. thing. And then the last time I brought it to him was last year after our interview, because I had him listen. And he was like, this is like the fifth time you've brought this up in the last <laughs> three years. I'm like, well, I've brought it up a lot more than that. <laughs> but until, <laughs> until our last baby, we weren't really we weren't really doing anything to like fully prevent it, you know? And so I said, yeah, I, I feel really strongly about this. And he said, up until this point, mind you, he was at adamant, like, no, that's stupid. You use your brain, Yeah, <laughs> you know, th this is how it should be. And he looked at me and he said, I think you're right. I think, I think it's wrong to not, to not trust Yahweh in this one area when we are trusting him for so much. We're trusting him for our property, for, for provision financially, for food, for our animals, for a home, for all. We're literally trusting him with every area of our life. This is the yeah. only area that we didn't. And so he finally was like, okay, we're done. We're not, we're not going to prevent it. And for the first few months, he was like, are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? Because he was convinced. He's like, yeah, that, for yeah. years, I sneezed. Yeah, I yeah. sneezed in your direction and we were pregnant. Like, we didn't, I don't yeah. even think I touched you some of those times, you know? Like, we don't even know how that happened. I wasn't ovulating <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. You know, I, it didn't happen the way that, you know, the science says that you're that told. It's supposed yeah. To. So he's, he was so convinced. And I'm like, hey, listen, I told the Lord too. I was like, I am going to trust you in this. And I also trust that you know, the desires of my heart. I felt like our family was complete after I had our last one. So it is very likely that he would have never given us anymore or he would change my heart. And that's what I said. I'm like, yeah. And James keeps asking, he's like, so if you end up pregnant, are you going to be upset? Because that was his, that was his stipulation. I'm not going to agree to this. If you're going to be upset, if you get pregnant, Oh, right. which it seems, I think that's fair. I feel like that's fair for a husband. <laughs> Like, I'm not going to do this if you're going to make everybody miserable for nine months yeah. <laughs> and then 18 years. <laughs> yeah. So I was said, nope, if the Lord decides to bless us with another child, I am going to find joy in the fact that he is choosing that. And that's the path he has for us. Mm -hmm. I am fully trusting him. Six months later, still no pregnancy, but <laughs> yeah, like, but we're trusting him. Yeah. Even though. So, well, that's awesome. Yeah. I think the health thing is a big deal. I understand it. I relate to people when they say that, like, I hear you. I feel like mm -hmm. I can feel it in every cell of my body. I know that feeling, but I also know yeah. the feeling of his ultimate healing and provision. So, yeah. And I always say, um, I had, uh, well, the doctors told me after my third pregnancy that I would die in any, every birth after they said I would die. Um, they know, know so much about. Yeah. So like, who do we trust? Who, right. who knows my body? This doctor that said a baby can't fit out my body and I've had 10 now. Um, and then the other thing is I have had 
really, really hard births. Like my second child, I, I literally thought I died in childbirth. Like after wow. he was out, after he was out, the pain was still so bad. I really, I thought I was hallucinating and that I was dead. Um, wow. And it was my first natural birth with, and it was induced. Do not ever do an induced natural birth. If you're going to choose. I tried that. And then well. <laughs> I tried that and I, got, I had like three contractions was anesthesiologist right now. <laughs> yeah. They were I need an epidural immediately. <laughs> They're trying to force me to get pain meds, but I was determined. Anyway, Ooh, um, then I had like my seventh birth, um, was my most painful. I gave birth 11 weeks early to the tiniest baby. And my baby was three pounds, but I tore with her at three pounds. I, my bladder almost exploded. Like I almost, it almost like I almost died in that birth. Um, wow. I was hospitalized for five weeks. I went into labor every other day. I was on morphine every other day while I was pregnant. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, but everybody told me, you just had the worst pregnancy. You just had right. the worst birth. Because in birth, I said, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> I have always, always. I've said that several times. Yep. Um, and, this is what, and this is what the Lord had told me. This is so crazy. When I was like six weeks pregnant, when I found out I was pregnant with that child, the, um, the when I was 11 weeks pregnant, I was in like prayer, but not prayer. You know, like when you're just like living life, talking to God, I was talking yes. to God yep. and the Lord told me, um, I'm going to name the baby answer, but I didn't know if it was a girl or a boy. And I'm like, that's an A name. That's cute. Okay. And then he told me, whatever happens, you're, you do not stop having children. So mm. I was like, okay, I really didn't think anything of it. Now that, now right. that I think about it, that should be pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> Red flags all so, over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And a week later I bled everywhere. I walked like, wow. I was driving to soccer practice. Something popped. I looked down, I was sitting in a pool of blood. Yeah. Oh, that's wow. the story where, where I sat in the bathtub. But, um, anyway, my next baby, everyone online was like, how dare you put yourself at risk and your children have no mother and you're having an yes. I knew, I knew that the Lord was going to give me the biggest, longest pregnancy of my life. Okay. Because that's what just, he does. <laughs> yeah. He shows out. Yes. I'm like, I'm like, God, you don't have to show off. I don't need right. to be like, I don't need that. I don't need to be like 50 I, weeks pregnant. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I know you're faithful. Okay. Um, I ended up going to 41, 42 weeks. And I gave birth to a 9.9 pound baby. Wow. Um, and I had the healthiest pregnancy ever, like my best pregnancy ever. All oh, of that wow. to say, just because you almost die or you have a traumatic birth does not mean they're all going to be like that. It does not right. mean that now your womb is destined for death. It doesn't mean that every single birth you get new, a new placenta, you get yep. like, you have a new Sex, everything you haven't knew everything yeah except your Maybe. body and except honestly uterus, but yeah. he rebuilds our cells all the time yeah so i mean he could literally rebuild our uterus yeah. too so yeah yeah he could do anything like people have had tubes removed and yep and still gotten pregnant tube, yeah and the other tube kids like 
stronger because yeah. it's on its own. So we can't just take our experiences and dictate what God can and cannot do or say this experiences means I can't do this. Right. Um, did we, did we talk about finances? Not yet. Oh, uh, no, I don't think we did. We didn't. I think oh, we okay. kind of, we kind of, we kind of touched on it a little bit when you were talking about your health and when okay. God told you to quit your job, but okay. we haven't like touched on the whole. I was point. just making sure that wasn't one of the reasons. Cause I was like, I left some stuff off. Okay. So health and uh, death. I think we got those covered. Yes, I think so. So then what's the ninth point, which Nine. would technically be the 10th point, but because we just covered yeah. two. Yeah. Cause but. I covered two. Um, God told me I'm done. My husband and I decided on a number. Okay. Yeah. So I have a lot of friends that say, God gave me the number five. And God told me that I, my womb is, that, not that my womb is closed. God told me that we're done. Okay. Great. That's, I never awesome. would have said that. <laughs> no, but let's I, say great. Awesome. I'm right. so glad he told you that. Why would you now do something about it? Right. Right. If God you should told you still be trusting him. If yeah. God told you you're done, that means you closed your womb. Yep. So why do you need to go close it? We're never told to close our wombs. We're never told to stop our seed. We're never told to do any of that. So when, if God says, this is all I have for you, then awesome. You're not getting pregnant again. Right. But if you get pregnant again, God didn't tell you that. Right. Unless he told you that for a season. Right. You might say you're done right now. And then right. five years later, you get, you get pregnant again. But like, we cannot just say, well, God said I'm done. So I'm going to get a vasectomy and cut a part of my body off. Right. Or I'm going to go get a tubal and cut a piece of my tubes off, or I'm going to now prevent every night. Right. Or however, however much you do it, but whatever. Right. Um, like, <laughs> right. We either live in faith. If God says something, then it will come to pass. Yeah. Regardless, we, we like, don't, he doesn't need our help. No. Right? He has managed to I mean, sustain yeah, he life. He does and he doesn't. He needs our help in trusting him, but he doesn't right. need our help in preventing. And he doesn't need our help in fulfilling the thing. Right. He, If he said, you're done, you're done. Yeah. I would never claim that the Lord said we were done ever because I never heard him say you're done I had contentment in my yeah, heart yeah, like yeah. I yeah. felt I felt done yeah you felt done. I didn't yeah. have that I know we've talked about this before like you have a baby and you almost instantly you're yeah. like oh I want another baby and I yeah. had that for all of them yeah except for when I was pregnant with the sixth one and mm -hmm. I mean I didn't have a bad pregnancy at all like my pregnancy was fine but I and I mean, we had that traumatic experience. I just never had that. I want more kids feeling which, and I prayed that I prayed, Lord, when I'm done, then take that, take that yeah. desire away from me yeah. so that, so that I don't yearn for something that doesn't belong to me. Like I, so only, I yeah, I hear that that's what happens, but mm -hmm. And I pray that's what happens. Okay. I don't want to like have this baby fever till I die. Cause it, it is you be like, 80 oh, it having babies. <laughs> I mean, I know grandchildren feel 
that and apparently yes. they're like way better than your own children I, I can't even that's what I'm told I can't imagine but I'm very excited to experience that kind of but um the bible says there's three things that never help me I don't know why my brain is not not registering with the bible right now there's three things that never oh and proverbs uh, one of them's the barren womb yeah that that are that never, never satisfied, satisfied. Yeah. yeah. Three things that are never satisfied. satisfied. A barren yeah. womb is never satisfied. So we right. might not ever feel done. Right. Um, and that's just what the Bible says. But yeah. people that do feel done, I felt done after my last one, but I only felt done because of the trauma. Mm. I did not feel done because I felt complete. Yeah. Um, and then you, you get healed of the trauma and then you're not done anymore. Right. So, um, and that feeling never went away for me and I had it even while I was pregnant because up to that point, every pregnancy, I was like, Ooh, I can't wait to do this again. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Cause the first 14 weeks, I'm like, why did I do this again? This is terrible. I feel miserable. Yeah. I, ugh. But then after that passes, then I'm like, oh, I love this. This is yeah. like, I want to do this. Like, I don't really necessarily enjoy pregnancy, but yeah. like it, the idea of bringing forth a new life is so exciting. And I always wanted to do it again until that sixth one. Yeah. I was like, I, I feel complete. Like I feel this contentment and this peacefulness about it. And and I think because I felt that contentment, my husband felt fear. We took it into our own hands and oh, did our own right. thing. Um, my but... husband feels contentment every time, every time. <laughs> well, I'm sure he does. <laughs> he says, he said after baby seven, eight, nine, and 10, he said, I think the Lord's telling us we're done. And he's not going to do anything about it. He just right. said that every time. That's and this funny. last time I was like, well, Landry, I know for sure we're not. God gave me five more names. Ooh. But okay. <laughs> See, and that I have I have had no like I haven't gotten any new names. I haven't gotten yeah. like it's just dreams and visions. And yeah, it's just been I mean, I've had dreams that I've been pregnant, but it's it's different it, they're a different kind of pregnancy dream than what I used to have when I was gonna have babies. I, it's yeah. weird to explain, but it's been I still have this contentment, but I have this contentment knowing that if tomorrow I took a pregnancy test and it was positive and I'm 45 years old and I'd be like, holy crap, I'm 45 years old. That's kind of a miracle. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of amazing. Like, okay, Lord, More if that's what you have God. for me, right. If, if yeah. that's what you have for me, I will walk in this and I will do it with joy. But at the same time, like, I don't have that, that yearning longing and yeah. longing for more oh, yeah. yeah um and this ties into uh another one that if it's god's will it will happen no matter what i do um a lot of people believe that um i'll just say like i i know so many people that say well i got a tubal but if god wants me to have another one he'll just give me another one which and so has I happened <laughs> <laughs> so this is what I did I asked God I said now I know that that happens but can you explain to me like does do we just have kids like if I just go get 
have if Mandra gets a vasectomy tomorrow, are we still gonna have 17 children? Right. Like, let's just say that's the number he had for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Lord made this so clear to me. No, what the Bible says is he turns you over to your resources. So if you get a tubal, if you pull out, if you get a vasectomy, if you're on birth control, you're he or if you have if you're on if you're using condoms, mm -hmm. you're trusting those things, not God. So right. are they a hundred percent effective? No. Never. They, no, none of them prove to be a hundred percent effective. No. Nope. So if you happen to have a child after that, does that mean that that child you had is like some anointed saint that he pushed through your will and gave you? Because people have said things like that to me. Yeah. Like my, I think my husband um, was after a tubal or birth control or something. And he's like, God really wanted me to be born. And I'm like, yes, your life is still from God, but like, you're not like more special than the rest <laughs> of the population because I, you came I mean, to me, possible. you are, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're definitely, I'm definitely glad that happened. Okay. But, um, but the, the Lord just told me like, we can, and I know this is so super controversial and that's what we're talking about. Controversial yes. topics. We can thwart God's personal will for our life. So if I go abort my child, that's not God's plan. I am thwarting the will he had for that child. If I get a tubal, if I had a tubal after my second child, I guarantee you I wouldn't have 10 children. I don't know anyone yeah. that's had a tubal and went on to have eight more children yeah. unless it was just botched and it didn't actually happen. Um, and so that's why only, I'm guessing in this number, but I'm guessing the average of, of children born after these surgeries is less than 5%. It's probably 1% of people go on to have a child after a tubal or a vasectomy. If, if you couldn't stop the will of God and how many children you were having, it would be 99%. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like people would keep, because back then when they didn't have these surgeries, people averaged seven to eight children in a family. Yeah. That's not happening any, anymore. So does that mean that the Lord just wants us to have less children? No, we can go against, we can, we can reject the blessings of the Lord and we can go against the will he has for us. We can take a different yeah. path and not walk in the path he has given us. And so we cannot say, oh, no matter whatever decision I make, God's still gonna give me as many children as I want. Then if let's just say that's true, okay? Let's just say, you go get a tubal and God's still going to give you whatever he wants you to have. Why get the tubal? Right. Then it makes no sense to cut a piece of your body out, put yourself in, in danger of an unnecessary surgery. Well, right? and scripture is pretty clear about how we're supposed to treat his temple. We're not supposed yeah. to mutilate it. We're not supposed to no. scar. We're definitely not supposed to be cutting things out of it. Yeah, for sure. He's very, very clear about how we're supposed to take care of the temple that he's given us. So even if... Yeah. Even if he said you're done at five, you cannot justify mutilating his temple. Like we have this idea that our bodies belong to us because it's flesh and it doesn't. Yeah. That's that selfish, self-centered perspective that society is thwarts or thrust onto all of us. Yeah. But 
it's it's his temple in which he dwells and we should care for it as if he is living in it because his spirit is trying to take matters into your own hand and i mean that that goes along with condoms birth control pulling out all of that because you're trying to control this human part of a spiritual thing right these babies that come to us yes they come through our flesh but they're not flesh they're spirits they're spiritual beings that need to be here for a specific time for a specific purpose for yeah. his plan to fulfill his will and it and that's really that's what got my husband when i said you know would another child not be worth living like would their life yeah. not be worth being here because do we all not have a calling and oh this might be one of your topics that is this one of your thing <laughs> is this one of your points um in scripture it talks about woe to the children or woe to the women or the mothers who have children in the last days is that one of your points no uh -huh. oh, okay because that is a topic that he and i have talked we did a lot of revelation study answer Oh, so you cute. have no clothes on. What, baby? I have, I have a logo. Yes, go get dressed too. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> but that was one of the things we had discussed from the very beginning because we had studied Revelation pretty in depth. And we were like, is this the end times? Is this really the time that we should be bringing children forth? And then every time we felt convicted, like, that's really an excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because obviously women are still birthing children. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not it's the end times. Yes. I mean, so. I do have the world is too terrible to bring right. children into as one of them. But right. yeah. Um, and then back to what you were saying about mutilating your body is not an excuse. Well, right. it, we can go deeper than that, like pulling out is even like discussed in the old testament quite a bit. Yeah. If your body is your temple, you're spilling your seed. And mm -hmm. Onan was killed for that. And I yeah. am positive that he was killed in in a sense for committing a sin like abortion. He knew a child was going to be conceived and he yes. spilled his seed. Well in um, Genesis 38 10 it says, but what he did was displeasing to Yahweh and he yeah. took his life for it. Yeah. So he took his life because of the life that he sacrificed yeah. by doing that. Well, yeah. a lot of people, a, a lot of scholars go back and say that that's not why he was killed, that he was killed for breaking the law. They say he was killed because he didn't give his brother a, same thing. a child. It's the same thing. I mean, they say <laughs> they say he broke the law and he, he wasn't killed for pulling out or masturbation or whatever you want to call it. He... he was killed for not abiding by the law, which was to not waste the seed. Well, what I have concluded is if you go back and you look at the law, so there is a mm -hmm. law where it says, if your brother dies, give yes. him another child. Well, yep. there's a consequence in there if you don't do it. Right. It is not death. No. Your consequence is like, spitting on their sandal or something it's something <laughs> not that serious because I went back and I'm like okay let's just say he that it was he broke the law what's the consequence right. for that it's not death a lot of people in the bible broke the law and they didn't die right so 
this was um, was more severe. The, yes. the law was a life for a life. God yes. considered it murder. Exactly. Abortion, whatever you want to call it. And I know that is so harsh and very, very offensive. And like people would cringe at that I'm saying that. But that is the reality of what we are doing when we're preventing. Yeah. We're not any different. Yeah. We're, and... saying, we're saying I don't want a life you could have for me. Yeah. And I know it's offensive because Yeshua said that if you follow him, everybody will be offended by everything that yeah. you do. If you walk in his ways, which is a straight and narrow path that very few people find. Yeah. Everybody not on that path is going to be offended by the things that you are doing that bring glory to his name because you are yeah. on that straight and narrow path. So, and the, the funniest part of the Bible to me is when Yahushua looked at his disciples and, or, and this is not the 12, he had other disciples. He looked at his right. disciples and he said, are you offended? You can leave. <laughs> right. You can leave. He wasn't what? offended that they were offended. <laughs> right. He said, you can leave. <laughs> I think this whole idea about people getting offended, it really, it stems from selfishness, you know, like don't, don't challenge what I believe in what I'm doing because I don't want to change what I'm doing because I'm comfortable and I'm complacent and where I am. And I like that. Keep me comfortable. But he knew that that was going to happen. That's always happened. That's why he said it because he was like, you're, everybody is going to be offended by everything that you do, but our society actually like coddles offended people now where that has never happened in the history of mankind ever. Yes, People yes. who were offended, they were like, okay, well, goodbye. You yeah. know, they were cast out of society. They're like, now it's like, oh my goodness, you need therapy. We right. need to get you in therapy. You need trauma healing. You oh. need to go to the store and buy everything you've never gotten in your life. And we need to attack your offenders. We need to make sure that yeah. we put them in their yeah. place and shut them up. We're going to cancel them all. Yeah. And it's like, ugh, it's so backwards. I don't, I am. I, don't, I just realized it's getting dark and I'm running out of light. I'm like, I'm like, you can barely see me. I just noticed that too. I looked outside because my kids and my husband just walked by from doing like farm chores. And I was like, oh, it's almost six o'clock. It's dinner yeah. time. <laughs> well, I feel like we have touched on some seriously controversial yeah. points. I, I love yeah. the fact that you have this organized. We will get together again. We'll do a second podcast and hopefully okay. we'll be able to cover the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we've covered like a lot of very serious points that pretty much cover a lot of the others. So, right. So fast. I think so too. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate your passion for the word. I appreciate your love for our heavenly father and your desire to raise your kids in a way that they know him and not just some religion or yeah. some like religious practices. Like, I just, I'm excited that we're doing this and I hope yeah, me too. all of the listeners have enjoyed this podcast episode. I pray that you are fulfilled by the word that you have had revelation and truth open to you so that your eyes are open, that your ears have been able to hear and your heart has been able to absorb those seeds of truth so that you produce the good fruit in your own life and that you go forth and you build your home with your own two hands and you love on your family like you never loved on them before and you show the fruit 
of the blessing that Yahweh's put on your lives. Amen. Oh, Can I thank pray? Thank you so much. Absolutely. Okay. All right, Yahoo, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this truth. I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you that we have a book to go to, that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, that we are the temple of the living God. I thank you that, um, that even in a time where we cannot speak on these things or share these things, you give us opportunity. And I pray right now over anyone that has any offense or anything that's in them that is convicting them or that is um, making them angry. I just pray that we would look to you, that we wouldn't just listen to Leslie and Carissa, but that we would go to your word, that we would seek you deeply, that we would know it for ourselves, that we would go straight to your word, straight to the truth, straight to the source, that we would ask until we hear your voice, that we would um, have a relationship with you where we hear your voice so clearly and where you confirm everything that you have taught um, your other people. God, I just thank you and praise you for this day, for the life in our breath, for the opportunity to be mothers, for the honor to carry children and that we can trust you, that you are faithful and that you are a man of your word. I just praise you and thank you. And I pray that um, there are softened hearts. Um, if there's any hard heart that you would break through, that you would tear the veil and that you would speak your truth deeply, gently, and lovingly. God, we just pray, we love you. And um, I just pray that we would continue to give our everything, our life fully to you and die to our flesh. In the name of Yahusha, I pray. Amen. Amen.